first episode of Tell You What! Exclamation Point, the podcast, where I get the opportunity to talk with young singer-songwriters about songwriting, the creative process, the live music experience, and the associated interactions that arise. My name is Mike. I'm very excited to share my discussions about the craft of songwriting and the experience of live music with any of you who find your way here. By the time you listen to this, there should be at least two and possibly more other episodes available. So if you find this one interesting, please check them out. You'll find out about some great young artists whose music I think is worth your time. Our guests for this episode of Tell You What are Shane McLaughlin and Lucy Clavy, who are the principal songwriters for the Pittsburgh-based band Buffalo Rose. Buffalo Rose describes their sound as blending folk, soul, and bluegrass into something amorphously Americana, but decidedly their own. In Lucy's words, from a recently published interview, their music is like a wolf made friends with a bird and they stole a covered wagon and started an organic farm. So maybe some of you will find that description helpful. Buffalo Rose have recently released their debut full-length album, The Soil and the Seed, and it has been getting some very positive reviews. Sound Scene Express said, The Soil and the Seed is, quote, spellbinding, deeply passionate, gorgeously textured record powerful, vulnerable, refreshing, and honest. It's an example of what happens when finely honed musical skill and intuition meet raw, undeniable soul, end quote. In terms of songwriting, some of the songs on the album are credited to Shane alone, some to Lucy alone, and some to the two of them together. This brings a nice variety of sound to the record. You will hear them talk about the creation of songs in these various ways during our discussion. Aside from Shane and Lucy, the other members of Buffalo Rose are vocalist Mariko Reed, Mac Inglis on Dobro, mandolinist Bryce Rabideau, and Jason Raffalak on bass. Full disclosure here, in addition to being a very talented songwriter and vocalist for Buffalo Rose, Lucy Clabby also happens to be my daughter. This may explain how I was able to land my first guests for this new podcast. For upcoming episodes, I was indeed forced to look outside the family tree. So let's get to it. Here's the conversation with Shane and Lucy from Buffalo Rose. Shane and Lucy, thanks for being the first guests on Tell You What, the podcast. We'll see if we can get through this without anyone getting seriously injured. Thanks for having us. We'll try our best. Um, well, let's get right to it. Uh, I understand you both are just back from a trip to West Virginia where you did a show, your new album, Soil and the Seed. The Soil and the Seed was recently released, and you have been playing some live shows since then. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, we were in Wheeling last night. Um, and we only brought five copies of our CD. <laughs> did they all sell? They did. Yeah. One of them came right out of Shane's car stereo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell people that. So the, the inventory management system possibly needs an upgrade. Is that what you're saying? Uh, a slight glitch in the matrix, yes. Um, so you've been playing uh, some of the songs. The album's been out for a few weeks, right? And you've been playing some of the songs that are on the record uh, for a while before the album came out, right? 
Um, so in any way, is it different now to perform the songs now that the now that the record's out in the wild? I would say absolutely. I feel like the recording process definitely changed the way that we think about some of the songs. There were some songs where we were like, man, this song, like Natural Disaster, like built differently up and down every time we were like, okay, now we know, you know, this is the definitive version. And um, they're also different, just like when you add and can layer multiple parts, like that has an effect on how you try and bring those to the live show, which before recording, you have no reference for that. Right. Uh, so have you been able to recreate the, that layering in your live show? Did that take some effort to, to try and do that? Um, <clears throat> well, a lot of like the differences between the album versions and the live versions is a matter of like instruments that we don't have with us on stage when we play live. But I do think that the energy of the songs has kind of changed a little bit. Like we, because we know what it sounds like with those other instruments, even though they're not with us on stage, we can still kind of carry that and like bring it to our own instrumentation. Um, mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't know, like we, the, the song, the journey, um, I feel like has come a long way especially since recording. Um, we like, even from the recorded version of that song, we like extended the ending a lot um, and expanded on it, which was like, something that didn't really exist before we recorded it. Like we didn't really know what that ending sounded like until we recorded it. Right. And then when we did, we kind of like went even further from there. Um, and it's like grown even since then. So that's pretty cool. Um, can we talk, I, I was going to save this for later, but you brought up the journey. Can we, can we talk about that song uh, <laughs> and the, the recording of that song specifically? Um, it kind of stands out on the album to me because kind of seems like two songs in one. It starts out as one like one of the more traditional folk slash bluegrass um, songs, but true to its title, then takes us on a musical journey. It kind of shifts into a trippy kind of psych freak out um, <laughs> for the last section. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the, the, I assume, collaborative and creative process that brought that song to life? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it, it basically started with the idea for the song with only I think I had the words and the and the chords for the bluegrass jangle part in the beginning and then only only chords for the for the tripped out psychedelic part and then Lucy and I were just sort of like uh singing melodies and phrases back and forth at each other over that the lyrics took a while um with that one we wrote a lot of different versions of the lyrics to that um before we each line was like very painstakingly <laughs> vetted. Um, but Shane, you had the overall musical idea uh, at the outset that it, the music that the song would evolve from from one thing into another, um, tied into the journey theme of the song. Yeah, it was like the first part is really um, of the song is very introspective, and then you know it's talking about you know the sort of like path to self-discovery and then uh i guess the second half is more of like uh maybe like a, a point in your life where you're you feel like you've discovered a new part of yourself or like shared that with someone yeah sharing right. was the word i was going to use yeah. i feel like it, that the first half is happens inside of you but then you the second half it opens up and you give it to someone else 
well, let's talk about how your collaborative process, obviously, Shane, you had the idea and concept and some of the, and the, and the musical outline for the song, but it sounds like you worked then together on the lyrics. So does that kind of describe your collaborative process in general, or is that just one way that you have worked together? I think we do work in that way a fair amount, like, or at least with uh, some, a lot of the, some of the songs that Lucy and I write together that I have, that I bring to her. It's like, there's, there's a part that's done and then there's a part that's like, okay, we're going to finish this together. Yeah. It's, it's one of the modes that we've worked in a couple times. We did that with hold me. We did that with the journey. We did that with, um, I don't know, a couple others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been doing it a little more too. I feel like we did it with with a song. So, yeah, we have we yeah. have new songs that we did it with. <laughs> okay, we can get to that later. Um, well, it's a it's a great song, and so another aspect of that I wanted to ask about is did being in the studio and having the um, uh, ability to use the effects and studio tricks, kind of which are prominent in that song, change kind of the vision of the song that you you had going in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, kind of, like, speaks to what I was saying about how the song has evolved since recording it. Like, I don't think we even really... We had an idea of what we wanted the song to sound like on the record, but we weren't even really sure how to bring it to that um, point until we heard some of the effects, until we heard the way that our, like, group vocals sounded recorded all together and, like, leveled out. Um, and we really got an idea of, like, the 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 energy of um, that part of the song and like hearing those effects um, and what they do to the song has helped us take the song even further um, and really stretch that ending out even more and make it even freakier and louder. <laughs> right. Also, it's like generally never something that we would think of. I feel like when we're writing a song where it's like, all right, this part's going to be the jam, you know, like we're going to like stretch this out and like get weird, you know, like, but now after recording it and playing it live a couple times it's like where it you know it really builds up and down and it's like our our fish moment of the show (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we all have to have those (laughs) we have a couple um endings that like got extended on the album and i feel like it's hard to know uh what those moments are when you're writing the song um Mm -hmm. because you don't have the energy of the whole band playing and you don't know what it's going to be like when you all get behind the wheel together and start screaming different directions. Um, (laughs) But like when, yeah, when we all get in the room together, it starts to come together and makes sense. So, yeah. So, so you brought up uh, another um, related topic that I like to, to ask about, and that is when or if you ever decide that a song is finished, you said that the song changed in the studio became something that different than what um, you thought it was going to be. And then since it's recorded, it sounds like you've added on to it in the live performance. Do you think that songs are ever done? Do you like to think they're done or? We let the songs change organically a lot um, just because band members make choices and then later they might change their minds. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just out of boredom. Like we get, you know, we get bored playing the same thing over and over again. And it's like, Oh, why not? you know, try something new here. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it gets changed more or less permanently. Um, and sometimes it never happens again. But when we were trying to record the song, The Soil and the Seed, 
um, that was like something we were struggling with because we had been playing the song for so long. It's like one of the earliest songs that we played together that mm. it really had solidified into something that like sounded pretty consistent. But we weren't super happy about that. Like we were, we realized that like we didn't all agree on like what the song wanted what it needed and like why it wasn't working in the recordings that we were doing of it so yeah that song didn't end up making the cut for the album and like we're we're just like still not sure what we need to do to it to to nurse it back to health we kind of set it aside for a little while we still play it at our live shows um and this is a song that was not selected to be on the original ep also it was a song then too yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we had it back then so this is the song that never ends. This is a, that's our white whale. Yeah, <laughs> that's the song yet, that's never done. Yet the album is titled after it. Yeah, with that song. Interesting. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, though, uh, "Red Wagon" is a lyric from that same song. Which again, it, it, that's the title of my EP, and it was not on the EP. <laughs> yes. So we keep naming our albums after the song, and you'll never you you're still, never going to hear it. You have to continually show the song love, and maybe it'll. <laughs> Maybe it'll finish itself for yeah, you eventually. It's an ang angry god that we must pay tribute to. <laughs> let's let's change modes a little bit. Let's talk about your uh, experiences with live music as listeners, audience members. I assume you both have taken in a lot of shows in your youngish lives. Easy question first. How has your, the live music experience that you have had, do you think, influenced you as a musician? Yeah, I mean, I think the experience of live music is part of you know at first it's it's so inspiring and just like creates such a community and such a special like unique moment in time between like the performer and the audience that like i don't know i can remember like there are moments from shows that i went to when i was growing up that i'll uh, that i still remember and that special experience i think is part of what got me into interested in playing music myself uh, I think also if I had to pick like a specific performer, like when, especially when I was first starting to play the guitar and sing and write songs, I I loved the Avett Brothers and they have a very like, or back then their performance style was very uh, energetic and like emotional and raw and they just gave like so much energy to and passion to every song and I, mm -hmm. that's something that I think I think about a lot that I try and embody. Yeah. You see? I think um, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a musician who won't wouldn't say that like going to concerts is one of their favorite things. Like we, mm -hmm. it's just like it's what draws us to the lifestyle. Like being there and feeling the energy of everyone else in the room or the field, um, and like feeling that connection with the people on stage who are like giving you this thing that they're making right in front of you as as you watch and like. The, I don't know, the gift of that energy is just, it. you, you want to keep it, you want to have it all the time. It's, mm -hmm. it's the thing that we live for. Um, and I think as I've gotten older, I've realized it was like something that I probably did subconsciously when I was younger, but um, now I consciously do it where I like study the, the acts that I'm watching as like performers, um, right. like the way that they move the way they use the stage the way where they look you know mm -hmm. um just these everything everything about it it's like national geographic i'm doing my i'm doing my homework while i watch okay now possibly slightly harder question can you see ways in which or or 
Can you imagine ways in which the live experiences you've had have influenced you as songwriters? We were actually just talking about this the other day where we both do a similar, have a similar experience where sometimes when you're watching a show or someone playing music, you start writing a song in your head. Uh-huh. <laughs> now you've like, each done this independently? Yeah. 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 Or it's just like get a spark for an idea. Yeah. And it's like, you'll, you'll just be inspired by what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Um, and like, maybe it's the melody that you want to borrow, or maybe it's a, an idea in the lyrics that you want to sort of take and run with. Um, or maybe it's just something completely unrelated, but like you were just moved by it in that moment. Um, and this moment is different than <clears throat> listening to the recording of that act. Yeah, because you can't pause it. You, <laughs> it's frustrating <laughs> because like you want to be present and pay attention because that's why you're there. But it's also like there's a reason that you're receiving that inspiration in that moment and you have to be open to it and ready for it and you know write it down as soon as you can. It's like, you know, I, I get frustrated with myself when it happens because I do want to just be able to enjoy it and watch. But I also know that it, like I said, it's it's happening for a reason. So you got to take take that creativity and light that fire. So taking that a step further, when you uh, are writing songs, are you thinking about how the listener will ultimately take those songs in, whether they will experience it as a live performance or whether they will experience it on a CD or you know uh, digital music? Or is just a song a song unto itself and will be delivered to its audience in whatever way it, it sees fit? I would say for myself, um, that's more of something that we think about when we're arranging the song with the band. Because when we're writing the song, it's really, you know, thinking about what sort of message we want to get across or like what emotion we're trying to convey. And we're like really focused on that. And I think like, thinking about a live or recorded environment at that point could be like kind of distracting. I mean, we're just really focused on, on the words and right. melodies. And then um, that, that sort of thing definitely comes out when we're arranging mm-hmm. um, the song with the band. Yeah. I feel like there's um, a certain amount of time that you have to give yourself as a writer before you let anyone else in the room in your head um, cause it can be really hard not to, not to judge yourself while you're writing, you know, as songwriting partners, like we, it, you know, take, took us a while to not feel judged, like, you know, writing together. Um, yeah. so you have to kind of like know while you're writing that like you're safe from the audience until you decide that you're not anymore. Um, yeah. and I think it can be helpful to give yourself that time, but eventually you're going to start picturing for me, at least I start, I think I start in a live uh, performance in my head usually like it's usually the first the first time anyone else in my head is listening to the song it's like being performed on a stage to them and I and I start to think about how they would react to certain things and um, how it would how it would work in that environment so to follow up there you're saying that songs can have maybe different stages of life there's the stage where it is in your head and you're working on it yourself then you kind of release it to each other perhaps and that song kind of becomes more real if that happens and then at some point you may or may not decide to release it to the band and the band works through it and it becomes more real and then maybe eventually finds life being played for the world right is that 
is that a thing that that happens yeah absolutely yeah and it's definitely changed a lot over the time that we've played together um i think even now it's still different for every song like there's some songs where lucy will just be like hey i wrote this song yesterday and play it on ukulele and it'll be pretty much done you know and ready to be shown to the band but I think the thing that's changed the most now is that we're starting to uh, create the musical elements of the song as more of a group. Like there are some songs where it's just like, like we'll only have two short sections on the guitar and then we'll like jam it a little bit with Jason and, and Bryce and Mac to sort of figure out what the other sections will be, which those need to be in place before lyrics and, and melody um, well, actually, that's not true. I guess they don't need to be in place before lyrics and melody are created, but it it's it just makes them come about in a different way. One of the only songs from the first record that was not written first with like just me and Shane in the room was the single, the last one. Um, that had like a very different and unique process that I think is what led to it being such a unique, especially rhythmically unique song. That's because it started with uh the boys like playing the riff on the strings um so i think it started with bryce um playing this riff uh and it, like the rest of them would join in and it was just like a warm-up that they would do um and like at, you know we started referring to it as the riff song and that was its name for a long time i just thought it was such a catchy riff that i thought it would it, it needed some words so i sat down and wrote words to it and we wrote a couple more parts to it um to give it a little bit of a shape um <clears throat> But I think the fact that it started in a different place than the rest of our songs is part of what made it sound so different. So we're trying to do that more because we like finding those surprises and those differences. So some of the new songs uh, we are starting like with Bryce and Jason um, right. and, and building the song around the rhythm parts. That song is what you some might consider the single off of the album. Would yeah. You say that? yeah, we put it out as a single. Yeah. Some people might say that. Other, <laughs> other people would say no. We would say that, yes. <laughs> so you, you, you are two people that makes you some. student you studied poetry and poetry writing mm -hmm. um how do you see the interactions between poetry and songwriting 
Um, and was there kind of a transition for you or, or are these two different worlds and how do those interact for you? Um, they're definitely, so like once I know whether uh, something is a like when a piece of writing is done, it's usually pretty clear to me whether it's a, a poem or a song, but while I'm writing it, it's not always clear. <laughs> um, a lot of the times these just start out as like free writes um, where I'm just letting trying to write without judgment and letting the the lines be what they are um and rhyme is always something that i i have used in my poetry um not necessarily like structured rhyme but i i tend to use rhyme and like play with sound um in my poetry and it's like just something that's always made sense to me and i think it's because i am a musician because i've always been drawn to music and the, the rhyme makes sense to me it's like comforting it fits things always feel truer to me when they rhyme because it's like you put together two pieces of a puzzle and they're true so it's like even it's like a bonus that they that they match um <laughs> so when i'm when i start writing it's not always clear if i'm writing a song or a poem and sometimes i switch gears sometimes i'll change my mind about what wh- what it is and try make some changes to try and move it in one direction or the other but are there specific stylistic elements that would make one poetry and the other lyrics that you can um, finger on uh the lyrics have much more rhythm in their structure um the rhyme scheme is usually much stricter um i guess the kinds of words i choose to use the turns of phrases um can come out really differently in poetry and song like some some things sound better spoken and like just don't sound very good when you sing them. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, but I, thematically, I, there, there there are categories of things that you might write poetry about versus songs. Not really. I think it's more just the way I write about it. Like if there's something <clears throat> particularly painful that I'm trying to write about, if it's going to be a song that I know I'm going to have to sing in front of people, I might turn to more abstraction to try and distance myself from. From that um as opposed to poetry when i might just like lay it out all on the page a little bit more okay let's talk about the song simone to to me that's this song seems lyrically maybe closer to poetry than than some of the other songs that you had a hand in on the album can you talk about that and and can you talk about the the background of that song and how it came about yeah well so it's called simone um it's named after nina simone and uh i had been listening to a lot of nina simone i had recently watched a movie about her and uh, which included a lot of like interviews with her and in one of these interviews she says the interviewer asks her about freedom um, and what that means to her and she says i'll tell you what freedom means to me no fear and that just like really really struck me um because i related to it because she was talking about she describes the feeling of being on stage singing and that sometimes she gets the feeling of freedom when she's doing that. Not all the time, but sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I related to that. And I was just thinking about the idea of freedom. Um, This was also hot on the heels of the 2016 presidential election. So I was thinking about, you know, freedom, political freedom um, and oppression and, the difference and where they come where that comes from um i was looking for hope i think when i was writing that song mm-hmm. and it started as a, that's one that started as a free write um i was journaling and 
um, my lines were getting more and more pointed and all of a sudden they were, they turned into lyrics. And I, I, t- I told you the other day, I wrote like eight verses to that song <laughs> before. I, and then I like <clears throat> circled the one verse that ended up being the last verse a million times. And then I ran home. I was at the coffee shop <laughs> and I ran home uh, after I circled that verse a million times and I sat down with my guitar and I like started with that verse mm-hmm. and picked out like my four favorite verses that I had written. And then that was the song. Did it have a melody when you were running home or did that not come until the guitar came out? Um, it didn't have a melody until I started playing guitar and I just knew mm-hmm. I wanted a really simple, just like two note strum. So that's where I started and the melody came after that. Oh, it's, a, it's a very powerful song. require um, or may require work on the audience's on your listeners part like successive listenings or should they generally hit their mark the first time I think it I think it depends on the song I think some songs do take more time to digest um, I think that Simone is one of them because I think it kind of hides what it's about a little bit at first um, in terms of the lyrics and you kind of have to wait to get to the end to hear what is really being said mm-hmm. um, so I do think that that song does work a little bit better the more times you listen to it. But other songs, I think, are even are the best the first time you hear them because they surprise you. Um, like, that's how I feel about this new one that we played last night in Wheeling. Um, <laughs> yeah. Should we tell one song? Yeah, sure. It's called Somewhere Tennessee. Okay. And we had a lot of fun writing it. And a lot of the lyrics, like, make us laugh. And we hope that they make the listeners laugh. So that's one that I think the best time you're ever going to hear it is the first time you hear it because you're Mm going to like the joke the most the first time. Good. Uh, Shane, you have a song on the album, I believe it's credited to you alone, called Buffalo Rose, which is interesting (laughs) because it is also the name of your band. Yes. Uh, I can think of a couple other bands that have done that. I know they might be Giants did it. Wilco has done it, so you are in good company. (laughs) Uh, Can you talk about how that song came about? Yeah. It came about just because I thought it would be an interesting idea to try and write a song called Buffalo Rose. And So that... the song did not predate the band? No, no. Okay. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, it post-dated it. It started with just that, and then it developed into I'll Be Your Soldier and You Be My Buffalo Rose, and then the, I only had that for a really long time. And then um, this was also a song that probably took the longest to uh, both write and live. And I think I wrote maybe like eight or 10 verses for it um, before finding the four that are in the song. Yeah. That's, that's sort of how the, the idea for it came about. And then I think as it, it it developed, um, it was also one of a couple of songs. Countryside was the same way where 
all of the uh, taglines were written first. So the line, I'll be your soldier and you be on Buffalo Rose, and whatever the line is that comes before that, I like, wrote a ton of those right. first, but before writing any of the verses. And... Do you think that's kind of like cheating? And then like the easy parts first or something. <laughs> no, it was like an outline. It was like an outline. <laughs> <laughs> um, that yeah, it is the easy parts first though. It is the easy parts first. Loves a leap of faith. Oh my world was black and white. Oh I looked upon your face. Now I'm sworn to run forever To whatever you may chase Oh, I hear the constant ringing Coins that go in the well Oh, the pyramids are calling us Seek and find ourselves They alone shall know the story And they're sworn to never tell But I hope in your memory Before Buffalo Rose. Yes, yeah, I've been right, yeah. And you have at least one other project, band, that you are a part of that is in a completely different style of music than Buffalo Rose, correct? Yes. So, is your songwriting, has your songwriting always been geared towards this format, or have you written in other styles uh, along the way? Um, I think it's definitely written in other styles. I think for... A lot of the other projects that I have been involved in are, um, they're like either rock or funk. So the, the groove of the song is what's developed first. And then you have to like create a lyrics and, and melody over that. And I think though all the time that I was in those groups, there was always like the occasional folk song that would pop out because it's very much a lyrics first or not not always but um like it works really well for um that style of writing coming up with the lyric first and then putting hmm. it to music interesting um, so so you literally what have done it in two different directions based on the style of music you're writing for sure. groove first lyrics later and now lyrics first though it's still there are definitely songs that come with like the last one that was like a, a groove first and we've got a couple of other ones that we're working on that are being developed in that way you uh buffalo rose you, you have seen you perform a couple of times uh usually have a cover song or two in the set list as most of us know folk bluegrass genre are historically based on performing traditional songs or songs that are have written given you operate in that world uh how do you think of the cover song as part of performance, uh, particularly as songwriters. Yeah, it's funny because we don't uh, we don't really do traditional folk songs like as covers. Um, yeah. We very rarely. Except maybe um, go to sleep. Yeah, that might be the only one. We mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but 
we do, I think, use the cover to serve a similar purpose, which is um, something familiar um, for the audience to use as like a touchstone. Um, like if they've never seen us before, never heard us before, even if they're enjoying us, they can't sing along, you know, they don't know the words, they've never heard it before. Um, but if we play a song that they know, that's one more way to bring them into what we're doing and kind of show them, show them our world um, mm-hmm. and get them interested in, in what we're doing. That was just fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Particularly Britney Spears covers. Oh yeah. We love, we love our early 2000s. Okay. I'm going to um, finish up with a big thoughtful question. And I hope I don't stump you. <laughs> if you if you take a few steps back from your intense process and think about your art, the work you create, the performances you give, what you do, why you do it, and perhaps what drives you to do it, see if you can finish this sentence for us. I would ultimately like ultimately like to create something that blank. So is there an ideal or an overriding principle that kind of guides you or motivates you, whether it's achievable or concrete or not? Um, Take your time. Well, I have a, I have an instinct that um, I think is something that I, I know to be true of, um, of art and music in general. And it's kind of what draws humans to the experience of art, which is that, um, can you repeat the sentence so I can frame it properly? <laughs> I would ultimately like to create something that... I would ultimately like to create something that um, makes other people feel less alone. Okay. Yeah. Shane, do you have, you can change the sentence too, Shane, if it doesn't fit <laughs> with what you might want to answer. Okay, yeah. But, I think that there, there are really two things that that come to mind. And I think... One like part of the reason why we why we write songs or why I like started writing songs is because we're just having like an intense like emotional experience or reaction to something in our lives and are like having trouble articulating it or processing it. So I think like creating something that can allow someone else to process some emotion or um, something that they're going through is is definitely something that I want to do. Like more of a, a goal is that I want to write music that makes that sort of like creates action. Like people want to like go out and like make a, a positive effect in the world, mm-hmm. um, which is something I think about a lot and is. A little bit more something to like strive for. I don't think it's super easy. Mm-hmm. Both very I, good answers. Lucy, I want to add to my answer. Yeah, because while Shane was talking, I realized that like, you know, I made it sound really selfless. But the thing is, when someone like comes up to you and tells you that 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 happened, that I made them feel less alone with my music, it's like it comes back to you. Like you get the experience of knowing that you're not alone right. um, because someone else has shared this experience with you and come back and said, yes, I understand. I understand you. And I understand why you wrote that song. Um, and it just makes you feel like more of a real person in the world. Like you're, you're not, you know, you're not going through it alone and your experiences are real and valid and 
it's just nice to feel seen like that. Very good. Very good answers. Uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. I really would like to thank you both, Lucy and Shane, for taking the time to talk. I think we got through without anyone getting injured. We can double check that later. Uh, Drew, who might have injured himself downstairs doing the dishes. But. The dishes dishes doing can be dangerous, but that's not nothing to do with us. Not our problem. Uh, Listeners so beware. <laughs> yes. Your new album, Soil and the Seed, is available Everywhere. wherever albums are found these days. Am Spotify. I correct? Yep. Yes. Spotify, Check iTunes. Spotify. Yeah. So band every, camp. Band camp. So please, everyone, check it out. It is a delight, and go see this band live. They are also very dynamic and engaging performers. Thank you, Lucy and Shane. Thank, Thank you, you for, so having for having us. Thank you. Tell you what. Tell you what. If you're still with us, I hope you enjoyed our first episode of Tell You What, the podcast. I know I did. Do check out Buffalo Rose's new album, The Soil and the Seed. All parental pride aside, it is a great piece of music. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. Also, be sure to check out their website, buffalorosemusic.com. There's some great live videos there, and you can check their band's touring schedule. I urge you to take in one of their live shows if you can. They are an energetic, engaging, and just plain fun live performers. Their shows are truly a joyful experience. Please check out other episodes of Tell You What! Exclamation Point, the podcast. Keep an eye out in the future for more great conversations with young singer-songwriters. Until then, remember, music is the best. Mm-hmm.